Welcome to the You First podcast. My name is Mitchell, your host. And today we have a special guest, Josh DeWard. He is a realtor here in the Des Moines area, and we are happy to have him. We're going to be talking about some some real estate uh, topics as well as some questions that I've been itching to get answered. And uh, yeah, let's just kind of jump right into it. So Josh, first, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good on a nice Friday afternoon. How about you? Doing pretty good. I wish that it wasn't as cold as it was here in Iowa, but you know, what can you do? That's the way it goes. Um, so Josh and I have known each other for a while. Josh is actually the guy who sold me my house. And uh, he also set us up in this lovely office that we have now. And uh, so the first so the first thing that I'd like to talk to you about, Josh, is kind of coming at it from the perspective of a new home buyer, which I myself was just one recently. And as you know more than anybody else, I was ignorant of a lot of things. And, uh, you know, that's one of the benefits of using a realtor um, as opposed to trying and doing it all on your own is that realtors have industry knowledge, expertise. They've done it before. They know what they're doing. And, you know, they can kind of guide you through the process of what's a pretty complex process. So uh, one of the questions that I'd like to start off by asking you is just in general, from a buyer's perspective, how's the market in Des Moines? And we'll start local and then we're going to get broader. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a lot of ways you can take that. I, I think one thing that's important to understand in the real estate industry, we talk about the market being hyper-local, which mean, basically means it varies from neighborhood to neighborhood, um, and then it also varies within price points. So it's sometimes hard to make general statements about the market um, and take those as like gospel truth. But uh, for the most part, at least in the Des Moines area, and this is, I would say, probably true most places nationally, nationally from just the few things that I've seen, housing inventory is low, which basically means there's not a ton of homes for sale compared to what a standard market looks like. Uh, and what that does is that increases the demand. It's a su supply and demand type of thing that the demand, or I'm sorry, when the supply is low, the demand for each home is higher, mm -hmm. which starts to inflate the price. And so in the real estate in industry, they call that a seller's market, which basically means typically it's more favorable for a seller to sell their home than it is for a buyer to buy a home. Um, homes are selling for top dollar. Typically they're selling pretty quickly and depending on the price point, we're running into multiple offer situations. So kind of what happens is someone puts their home on the market, four or five buyers flock to it. They all submit an offer and that home is selling at list price, if not sometimes higher. So when you climb above 300 to $350,000 homes, it's the market starts to balance out a little bit. Um, it becomes a little bit more favorable for buyers, but usually your first time home buyer is not necessarily looking at a price point that high. So mm -hmm. if that's the type of people we're talking about here, I would say expect to find yourself in a, in a seller's market, which means homes are going to sell quick and they're going to sell for top dollar. So when you say I'm interested in this, so when you say a seller's market, what you're really referring to is you, you kind of, as a realtor, you fragment based on price of the home and the various metrics that you use to determine who a home buyer is. So when we were talking, uh, we talked a little while ago about this when I was looking at buying a home, but you know, I was not entering in that $300,000 market. And so, and I imagine that probably a lot of the, you know, a lot of the listeners that will get 
that are first-time homebuyers will probably be entering in at a, at a much lower market. And depending on where you are nationally, you know, you, your home prices will range a lot. But let's stick here in Des Moines just for a second because I'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on the 200000 or less market. Where Where is that market? Is that in a hyperseller market? Or yeah. Where is, where is that? Yeah, you know, I was actually just looking at um, some stats the other day and – uh, the months of inventory was under one month, which basically that means if there were no new listings that were put on the market, every home, I think it was like 175 to 200,000 would be gone. And would, they all would have sold in under one month, which means like stuff is just flying off the shelves. And so one month in, in, in real estate terms and when you're buying a home, that's a very quick turnaround. Really and when you, say, when you say one month turnaround, that means from the time that the seller list the house to the time that a buyer makes an offer or how is that determined? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So when, when you put your home on the market, um, till the time it goes pending. So you have an agreed upon purchase price. And that's when the mark, that's when the house then gets taken off of all Correct. the listing websites. It goes or the MLS or... pending, right. Yep. Gotcha. And then we'll close depending on financing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, you know, to summarize what you basically just said was that it's it's a seller's market up to a certain point, at which point the market kind of evens itself out a little bit. So if you're a seller, so let's flip over then. Let's talk about it from the seller's perspective. So, um, you know, obviously the real estate market is, as you already mentioned, supply and demand. And from a seller's perspective, is that is that telling you that, you know, if you're considering selling your home now would be a good time to sell. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, there's a lot of variables in that, your neighborhood, how long have you lived there, your price point, but generally this is a good time to be putting your home on the market and selling it. Yeah. It's also a good time to be a new builder. They, mm -hmm. they just, the industry is calling for more inventory. And so, yeah, this is as good a time of any. So let's, let's change topics just a little bit um, and stick with the, buyer's perspective. Um, what is something that a buyer could do as someone who is just considering starting the process, right? Because the, the process is a long, it's a long road. Yep. And I know because I just went through it, mm -hmm. that even if, you know, you find a house that you like immediately, it's still quite the process. So what is something that a home buyer can do, a, a new home buyer, first time home buyer can do to prepare themselves for that journey? Yeah, that, that's a good question and an important question. The more prepared you can be on the front end, the, the easier it is for everybody involved. Uh, a couple things that come to mind. The first, really a big thing on the front end is the financing, right? So how are you going to pay for the house? Most people are using lending institutions. They're getting a mortgage. They don't have the cash to just go out and buy a house. So the first thing you, that I would recommend is talking to a lender. Even if you don't think you're going to buy for six months to a year, a year plus, um, if you go to a lender today and you let them know, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about buying in the next week. I'm thinking about buying two years from now, wherever you're at, they're going to be able to look at your financial situation and they're going to say, yeah, you're ready or no, you're not. And if you're not, and you have a good lender, they'll give you some steps of, Hey, you need to pay off a little more student loans. You need to pay off some credit card debt. Um, you just bought a new car. We, you just got a new job, whatever it is. Uh, they're going to be able to give you kind of those financial tips that you need to get ready. Mm -hmm. So that would be, that would be the first thing I would do. The second thing, um, and this is more, 
I guess, I guess if you're looking to buy right away, but especially if you're, you know, maybe thinking six to, to a year out, six months to a year out is go drive around some neighborhoods, start to narrow down the location, especially if you're in the Des Moines Metro, there's just a lot of options. We just got done talking about how inventory is low, but there's still a lot of homes you can buy and there's right. a lot of different places you can live. Yeah. Um, pictures do a great job of showing the inside of the home, but you're moving into a neighborhood. So if you can drive around and, and determine like, yes, we really like this part of town or we like this suburb or no, we don't like this one. Then when you do get those houses that, and you start looking at the pictures, you can already write some off. The, the, mm -hmm. the faster you can narrow down to the specifics of what you want, the easier and the quicker the process goes. So those would be two things I would say. That's an important point that you bring up that I'd like to dive into just a little bit further. So um, the qualities that a buyer look for. So from a realtor's perspective or someone who's more of an advanced buyer, um, are there any qualities or, or anything in a house that are that you see are more um, like universal? So like, for instance, you mentioned that the, the neighborhood, right? It's sure. a really important one. Yeah. Are there, is there anything else that you can think of that, you know, even, even not so much just a first time home buyer, but somebody who's an experienced buyer might look for. And thus, if you're an experienced home buyer and you know what you're looking for, you know, that knowledge would be helpful for a first time yeah. home buyer too. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, obviously the neighborhood location determines a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a couple things, at least from a realtor's perspective that I'm looking at. So when you buy a home, it becomes pretty emotional pretty quick. I mean, mm -hmm. you're thinking about potentially raising a family mm -hmm. in there. You're, you know, settling down, whatever, that type of thing. And so it can become sentimental. It can just become emotional. Sure. And part of a job as a realtor is to keep in mind that you're buying an asset. And mm -hmm. so, yes, you want to acknowledge some of that, that emotional piece, but I always try and think of it as, you know, when we're walking through a home, and they're talking about, oh, we can put our dining table here and we can hang this picture here and let's put the entertainment center here. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it. I'm saying, OK, 10 years from now when they have three kids and they want to resell this, are we going to be able to resell it and get them some good value? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at resale value or trying to anyway. It's hard to project that out very far. But there's there's two things that I'm looking at. And number one, um, there's kind of just these hard and fast numbers Uh that are the same across whatever house you're looking at. And so for example, like square footage, mm -hmm. there's dollars and cents you can attribute to how many square foot your square feet your home has. Okay. Um, so the more square feet, the more it's worth is a general rule of thumb. So there's yeah. things like that. Um, if you, the more bathrooms you have, there's mm -hmm. dollars and cents you can apply to that. Uh, the number of garage stalls, different things like that. How many acres of land on the lot, yep. things like that. Now, where real estate becomes more of an art than a science is when you get into what I've heard referred to as like functionality. So uh, number of bedrooms, size of kitchen, um, types of countertops, things like that. Mm -hmm. You can't really ascribe hard and fast dollars and cents to that, but some homes are more functional than other homes. So say I have a... Um, 1500 square foot house and it has five bedrooms and three bathrooms and I have a 1500 square foot house and it has three bedrooms and two bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same square footage. So the dollars and cents is the same, but 
potentially for a bigger family, that five bedroom, three bath is much more functional. Yeah. Which in turn would have more value. So okay. it starts to get complex pretty quick, but yeah. if you look at the neighborhood you're in and you think about who might be the next person that buys this home and mm -hmm. how functional is that going to be for them? Um, those are, those are definitely things to consider. Is, is it livable basically? Is yeah. this, is this an attractive option that a lot of people are going to want to live in? Or is this some one-off home that's built kind of weird? It feels tight and cramped or it does, you know what I mean? Like right. there's, there's, you can't just look at, you know, I've got this square footage, I've got this many bathrooms, so it's going to sell for this. You got to consider the finishes, all that type of the stuff. The whole package. The whole package. Yep. yep. The aesthetics and, and, as well as the guts of the house. Exactly. And yeah. that gets, then every house is different. It's that's why it's so right. hard to pinpoint value because for one person, it's way more functional than for another person. So they're willing to pay more. And so, right. so it's not necessarily a guessing game, but I like to call it, it's more of like an art form mm -hmm. than it is a science. So that's a good, so that's a good point. And that goes on to another topic that I'd like to talk to you about, which is how to get the realtor that's best for you. Because yeah. realtors are, there are a lot of realtors and even if a realtor is a, a star and you know great at what they do that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right realtor for you mm -hmm. so um you know talk a little i'd like to hear your thoughts on how a buyer or a seller really from either perspective go about finding the right realtor for them yeah. and what's kind of like the qualities that someone would look for yeah that's a great question and a really important question i'm, I'm glad that this is being talked about i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this stat up and so it's not even gonna probably make a ton of sense but i we were just talking in our office the other day that uh, there was some stat and they were basically saying that people hardly consider what realtor they're using at all. Mm -hmm. they, they don't take much stock in assessing a good one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. But I think it's really important to pick someone that's good and that's going to do a good job. Right. I think it's important for the client or the consumer to know that it's okay. And I think their responsibility to be picky about what realtor they choose. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think just someone tells you about someone they know, or you see someone at an open house and you just immediately jump on with them. I think um, it's important to be discerning about, Hey, is this someone I want to have helped me through this process? Cause the reality is it's, it's more complex than you think. Mm -hmm. And you're putting quite a bit of trust in this person to represent you. I mean, they are an right. agent to you. They're representing you. Um, so I think there's some like quick ones that are that are easy. You want someone who's knowledgeable about the market, that mm -hmm. type of thing. You want someone um, who understands, has some negotiating skills. That stuff's important. But I, I think more than anything, there's two things that, that come to mind. Number one, you want honesty. Mm. So you need... You can't have someone who's always going to tell you what you want to hear because you're just going to find yourself in a bad spot. You need mm -hmm. someone who's going to be honest if if it's what you don't want to hear and also to the detriment of their own interests. Because at yeah. the end of the day, the realtor is going to get a commission check for your house selling yeah, or for you buying a house. Mm -hmm. But you as a client, you as a consumer's interests have to take precedent over that. If you have a realtor who doesn't understand that, you need to fire that realtor immediately. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. How you gauge that, I mean, it's hard to quantify that. Yeah. People's skills, being around someone, right. kind of learning their character, that's hard to do mm -hmm. right off the bat. Um, the other thing I would say along with honesty, and it kind of goes hand in hand, is you need a realtor who understands the significance of their role. So 
when you get into the industry and you start working with a lot of people and doing, you know, deals every month and that type of thing, it's easy for it to start to feel less significant, Mm -hmm. but you need someone who is committed to remembering that for the client, for the consumer, this is the biggest purchase they're probably ever going to make. Yeah. Potentially the only one, Mm -hmm. if they, this is the only place they live. So you need a realtor that understands that, that, Hey, I maybe do this every day, but this person, this is a huge deal to them. So Mm -hmm. I need to be aware of their emotions. I need to be there to educate them on and on and on down the line. So, so those two things feel really important to me. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it. That's an important point. And what I hear, I think is there are some quantifying factors you can put to, to this, um, to the search for a realtor. Uh, but the other thing is, is that it's, it's, it's kind of a personality thing as well. Like yeah. you have to, to a certain point, the more, the more connection and the more personal you have of a connection or a, a, a role that you play, uh, or a role that you, a role that you have as a realtor, the, the probably I'm guessing the better the, the experience for everyone will be in the long run. Yeah. So I'm, I'm drawing on my own experience with you, obviously, that, you know, just from my personal experience, I'm, I'm very much the kind of person that is up at two in the morning working on stuff or thinking about things. And, you know, I, I love the fact that you were so accessible to me that I could shoot you a text if I was thinking about something, if I didn't know something and I felt confident that you were going to give me not just the right answer, but the right answer and also the right answer for me, mm-hmm. not for you. Mm-hmm. I never thought for once that you were working for yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, I want to I want to commend you for for that, and also recommend that others who are watching or listening um, deeply consider who it is that you're working with, because like you said, it is usually it, it is probably the biggest purchase you'll make in your life, unless you obviously sell a house and buy another one. Um, but it's not something to be done lightly, and I, I just feel like not everybody takes that as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is important. Well, and the reality the reality is what we just said of. You never felt like I was working for myself. Yeah. Me working for you, mm-hmm. putting your interests first is a win-win. Yeah. Because your interests are put first, you're mm-hmm. taken care of, and at the end of the experience, you feel so good about it, you go tell other people, and I get more business. Right. So it, it's a long-term versus a short-term exactly. view. And I think that if you're a good realtor, you probably should have a longer-term view. It's it's very relationship-based. Yep. And we talked about this before, but maybe touch on the difference between like a transactional relationship and a, or a transactional method mm-hmm. of conducting business yeah. versus a relationship. Yeah. Because even for a moving company, right, we are establishing relationships with, you know, realtors, with banks. Um, and it's not transactional. I don't go into a real estate office expecting to get business that day. It's like I'm building a relationship yep. for the long term. That way, you know, two years from now, when that person has someone they know that needs a mover, then they'll they'll know who to call. Yep. But but talk a little bit about it from a real yeah. That's good. I hope I hope the owner of my company is listening to this because this is like he lives this every yeah. day. This so, is, so this isn't yeah. <laughs> this isn't where this isn't coming from me. I I yeah. adopted it for sure. But yeah, his leadership has really brought this on. So the transactional model and we talk about it in real estate, but it could be applied to like sure moving any, any, any business, business yep. is. Um, yeah, you when you, whenever you're looking at every person, you're you're really seeing like a dollar sign over their head. Yeah, and you're trying to collect as many of those as you can. So in real estate, um, you know, it's making touches or calls. It's how many people can I contact? Yeah, and then it's a numbers game. If I call a hundred random people, 
the statistics show one to three of them are going to be needing a realtor. And yeah. so I'm just going to buy mass amount of people. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to build my business. And it works. I mean, it, people make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. Um, you typically get colder leads. You get people you're not as familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a grind, honestly. Yeah. There's this kind of relational model, I guess you could call it, where what you do is you focus on referral-based business. And and this is the approach that I've taken, is you pretty much spend all your time marketing and networking with people you already know. They call mm-hmm. it a sphere of influence. Who do you already know in your life? People people you hang out with on the weekends, people you go to church with, yeah. family, friends, all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Those are the people you market to. Few of them start to work with you. Yeah. And you do such a good job with them and you tell them, and I told you this when right. I started working with you, mm-hmm. my hope at the end of this process is you will think I've done such a good job that you will go tell your friends when they need a home, I've I know your guy. Right. And that's been true. I mean, I'm yep. I'm working with one of your friends right now. Yep. And and the thought process behind that model is first of all, I am working with people I already know. Mm-hmm. Two, the people working with me theoretically already know me or know a connecting person, you. Right. Makes it much more familiar. That trust is already established. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if you do the transactional model and you're calling 100 people a day or whatever, that never stops. I yeah. mean, you're always going to be doing that. With me, in theory, over the years, as I build up a referral-based business, mm-hmm. people are just going to be sending me business and I'm not even really going to have to go out and yeah. beg for it or, or market for it super hard. Mm-hmm. So I think it just, it feels better when, when you're, when it feels really salesy and, and transactional, people just don't like that. The yeah. consumer doesn't like that and doesn't yeah. want it. No, especially people our age, right. they don't want random people calling them. They don't want sales pitches. Yep. They want quality service. Sure. And so if you can deliver that, people are going to choose that every time. And I think that's an interesting point because you know, that's a, I, I feel like it's at some level that might be somewhat of a Midwestern thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like the coasts may be and coast people, if you're listening, don't come after me for this. But some people might be a little bit more transactional mm-hmm. uh, based there. But especially like in the in the Midwest, that just seems like it's we are a much more relationship based mm-hmm. um, region, I guess. So um <clears throat> One other question. So something that was mentioned was compensation earlier when you were talking about uh, a realtor is going to get paid regardless. This is something that I think it's a huge, uh, it's a huge misnomer or people don't understand how it works. But can you talk a little bit about how realtors are paid from both buy and sell side? Mm -hmm. Because it's something that I didn't know going into it. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand how it works. Yeah. It's funny you asked that. I, in the questions you sent over, one of them, I think it was the last question. Yeah. Anything people should know. I yeah. was going to, I wrote that gotcha. down in my notes. I was going to talk about that. So Good. I'm glad we're addressing that. So in this varies across the country, what the percentage is, but we'll just stick with the Des Moines market. Okay. Typically, uh, when you list your home, so when you go to sell your home, mm-hmm. uh, you are going to pay 6% of the purchase price. So we'll stick $100,000 to keep it easy. You were going to pay six thousand dollars. My math right on that. Yep. Out out of your pocket yep. as the seller. Now that six percent is going to be split 3 percent, three percent between both realtors involved in the transaction. So when you go to sell your home, you hire a realtor. Yep. You agree to pay them six percent. Mm-hmm. Mister and Mrs. Buyer come along and they 
have their own realtor mm -hmm. and they show up and they look at your house and they say, we want to put an offer on it. So we got the home seller and their mm -hmm. realtor. We got the home buyer and their realtor. Mm -hmm. The home seller is going to pay both realtors 3%, 3%. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of articles and stuff of why that is. Mostly it's because the home buyers there um, have a lot of front end costs already with a down payment and with lending costs and things like that. If yeah. on top of it, they also had to pay a realtor, it just would be too much. Yeah. Um, and the seller theoretically is making money on their property and mm -hmm. it just, it, I guess that's just the way it's been. I haven't been in the industry long enough to know anything different. Um, but the important thing to know about that is if you're a home buyer, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it's free for you to use a realtor. And so then it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. If, if it's free, why would I not want a professional right. representing me who does this every day? Right. And, and like you said, there's a lot of people who don't know that, which, yeah. you know, you don't blame them. Like why, why would they yeah. know that if they're not in the industry, but it's pretty significant because you see a lot of people who show up at an open house or whatever, and they don't have a realtor mm -hmm. and they're just kind of mindlessly doing their thing. And it's like, if it's free, right. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Well, and I think that that goes to an important point, which is your value is much more than just the transaction at the end. Like, uh, you know, somebody who hasn't, for anybody out there who hasn't bought a home yet or is, you know, just now starting this process, your realtor, depending on how good they are and what their philosophy is, may be pretty involved and may be able to assist in much more than just the end transaction. Mm -hmm. You know, you organized a lot of stuff for me. You, you helped me with getting, um, with getting, uh, the, the, what, what's a, what's a concept where you get local homes that are similar to yours? What's oh, idea? comparable properties. Comparable properties. Yeah. <laughs> you, you helped me put together comparable properties so that I made a better decision on price and obviously helped me with the offer. You helped me with getting all of my utilities and all that kind of stuff set up and everything. So a good realtor is going to be pretty involved. And, you know, that all comes at a cost basically that's footed by the seller. So yeah, totally. One, another yeah. thing that I, I think a realtor, a big part of their job, because a lot of people think, oh, it's just negotiating the price point. And yeah. then people will say, well, I'm a good negotiator. I don't, yeah. whatever. But, you know, like you said, there's the inspection period. There's comparable properties that the general public doesn't have easy access to, uh, utility right. transfer, working with the lender, all that stuff. But the yeah. other thing that I think is really important is educating people on home ownership. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when a client is done working with me, I hope they feel confident as a homeowner, understanding here's with the inspection process, here's some things going on in your house with right. um, when it comes to buying and selling. Oh, mm -hmm. I... I know more, but I also now have a very clear person I can go to if I have questions. So I think that yeah. education piece is pretty important too. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, I very much, I, I myself personally thought of you as a, like a teacher. Like I, yep. I was learning as I went and you have to, as a, especially as a first time home buyer, you have to understand that you don't know everything and not even your experienced realtor will know everything, but they're much more equipped to answer the questions that you can't. Um, and Google, although Google is great and your friend, it also isn't the end all be all. And there is a level of experience that, you know, you just like, you know what you're doing versus um, me just trying to figure it out on my own. I probably would have missed stuff. Yep, exactly. So it's important. That, that another one of these questions of like, what do you say yeah. to home buyers? I'm, I want to comment on that because yeah, that what you're saying speaks it. right to it. Yeah. Is, I don't know. I don't know where this comes from, but mm -hmm. pretty much every client I've worked with has some sort of embarrassment or, or they, they almost think, there's some sort of expectation that they're supposed to know mm. stuff about 
the home buying process. I don't know if that's because we grow up living in homes or, or what. I don't know why that yeah. is, but yeah, I think people don't like to admit what they don't know. Maybe, yeah, I mean that could be. But something yeah. that I try to make very clear is it's okay to not know, and yeah. it's okay to ask very basic questions. Mm-hmm. If you are with a realtor who is not willing to slow down to your pace to understand you should not be working with that realtor. I think they're doing you a disservice. If, yeah. if you've got someone who is giving you just enough right. where you're like, oh, I guess I don't fully understand, but I trust them. You should have someone who's walking you through the process mm-hmm. to the point where you feel comfortable. Right. And so I'm always trying to emphasize that with new clients. Any question you have, yeah. ask anything, text me, email, whatever. There's no dumb questions. And then like you said, I'm not this all-knowing realtor mm-hmm. encyclopedia right there's stuff i don't know but as a realtor being connected to a community of realtors and a brokerage i have quicker access to getting the right answers than yeah. probably the general public and so yeah I, I think that's important and it's okay for people to know like right just ask yeah i think that's a really important i think that's an important point because it's something that i even found myself doing, which is, I said, I said it a lot and I'm sure I'm, I know that you'll speak to it, that I said, this may be dumb, but, and then I would ask a question, but you were always so good to respond with, that's not dumb. There's no way that you would know that if, unless you've done it before. Exactly. So, uh, I implore people who are considering buying or selling a home, ask questions because it's better to have the right answer than to try and just swallow your pride. Do swallow your pride and not just go about it not having the right answer. Hello, this is Mitchell with You First Moving. I just wanted to say thanks again to our guest, Josh, today. Um, Wanted to give Josh a chance to plug um, where you can find him uh, here in Des Moines. So go ahead. Yeah, so I work, uh, this is Josh DeWard. I work Century 21 in the Des Moines area. The easiest way to get a hold of me is my phone number, 641-204-2037. If you want to l- learn a little bit about my business, you can find me. I have a pretty active Facebook page and Instagram page. If you just search Josh DeWard Real Estate on either of those, you should be able to find me pretty quickly. Perfect. Thanks, Josh, again for coming out today. Thanks.